Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Press Play and Run Podcast. The podcast for everyday runners with me, your host, Ryan Miller. It was great to get back up and running last week with our first episode with uh, Sophia Thane and Chris Downey. People have been really inspired by everything they have going on in their own running and within their own communities at the moment and as always went out their way to let them know, uh, sharing the pod, sharing the episode, commenting on it. Couldn't ask for any more, so it's really good to be back up and running. And I now have a, a couple of episodes in the can, actually, to get just a bit of a head of time. So season two is shaping up to be a cracking one. Um, it's, it's becoming a wee bit easier to get guests because the podcast is becoming a bit better known. It's grown arms and legs. It's all good. Couldn't ask for any more, so thank you for that. As always, this week I'll kick you off with just a wee bit of a recap of my own running, where things have been. I've got a fair bit to get through, actually. I would normally try and almost rush through this bit to get to the guests, and I've got Mikey Gowns from Michael Sports on today's show. My own running over the last two weeks since I spoke to you actually had just been ticking along nicely, starting to increase my mileage again. Everyone that listens will know that I've been training with the Devil of the Highlands Ultra in mind. So we're starting to get my mileage back up towards that sort of marathon plan distance um, after just coming down a wee bit off the back of Edinburgh and letting my body recover. Bimbled along well. We did Drumpelia Park run a couple of weeks ago. Um, quite a few people were there from the community. Again, not a big organised event, but this is what's ha- starting to happen now. People are starting to tie in, engage and connect in the way that I, I really hoped for um, in organising their runs together. So we, we had a nice wee crowd at uh, Drumpelia. Great run, good course that. Quite a relatively quiet park run compared to some of the others. It was actually my birthday last week, so I celebrated how any normal person does and went for a 10 miler on my own on my birthday. Couldn't think of a better way to, to kick off the morning. But I went a little new route, actually. I ran up alongside the cycle path at the M8 from practically Bayliston to Bells Hill, I think. Bells Hill Coat Bridge, that area in background. There's some nice wee trails and paths up there that I wasn't aware of, so I'm looking forward to doing a wee bit more in there. It was really wide well-paved paths and then when I get in onto the trailer but again it's hard packed just to kind of run and enjoy um, so that was a brilliant 10 miler managed to get a couple of club runs in as well and only yesterday I hit the skids I went back into the Kilpatrick Hills and I'd done that route a few weeks ago I took Kyla I took one of the my dogs with me as well thought I'd get a nice wee run out there and for the third time in three weeks after the Pentland run, the Pentland skyline a few weeks ago, I rolled my ankle again. I was less than a mile into the run and I had a bad one yesterday. So derailed me again three times in three weeks. I've got a definite weakness there. I should probably have stayed off the trails while I was just getting back up to speed and strengthening it. But um, I was just in my head about not having done enough trail running. So the long and short of it is I've hurt myself. I'm going to be having to build back up again, sticking to flat roads, flatter paths, um, because that terrain is just not working for me. And if you saw my Instagram, you'll know that I made the decision yesterday, probably relatively in the heat of the moment, but I've woken up this morning fairly sure of it as well that I am withdrawing from the Devil of the Highlands foot race. So that's really, really disappointing for me because it was one of my big goals um, for the year and we signed up, a lot of us signed up from the club. Some have actually are now not doing it for a variety of different reasons, but I was really looking forward to pushing myself and trying to sort of tick that off the list, but it's just not going to happen. That's three times in three weeks, as I said, on all on technical descents, rocky descents that I have went over on the same ankle and I'm going to end up hurting myself and put myself out of running. And with everything I've got going on just now, that would be absolutely the worst case scenario. So I hate to not do a race, I hate to pull out of anything and I think probably 
my own stubbornness is part of what's got me hurt there. I should have stayed off the trails, but stubbornness took me there, made me do it, and, and I paid the, the price for it. So there will be other races. I am not ruling out an ultra still in the future, not even ruling it out for this year, but I'm definitely going back for a rethink on what the second half of my year is going to look like. It, it's got me reflecting as well on trail running more generally because it's not something I've done a lot of. I am very much a road runner, have been, have always been since I started my running in 2017, very much on the pavements and a little bit on the track, um, although not competitive. And the trail running bit is is one of these things. I feel like I'm maybe being, becoming a bit sidetracked by it because I see, I see so much on Instagram and I see people out in the hills and I love being out in that, in that environment walking the dogs, hiking, that, that sort of release that you get there, the headspace and the clarity you can get. But what I've found running it is that none of that comes for me during a trail run, even a good trail run. I'm so fixated and locked in on where my feet are going. I'm so tentative on these rocky um, descents. I, I don't have the experience to throw myself at it with the kind of abandon that I see people in races. And kudos to people that do it. I don't think I've been able to slow down to the point where I'm doing it safely, doing it effectively. And there's just something there that's going to be, that's always going to be a learning curve for me, going from pushing paces on the road to having to slow down. So I'm out in this beautiful environment yesterday. And even before and after when I rolled my ankle, I, I tried to walk through it and then do a bit of a run walk and I managed 12k with the dog. Even the bits I'm running, I'm looking at my feet the whole time and I'm in these beautiful surroundings and not being able to sort of take it in, soak it in and enjoy it for what it, in my head, should be. So there's there's a sort of difficult relationship with that trail running for me because I feel then like I'm shortchanging myself. I feel like I'm trying to enjoy it and I don't want to be that guy that's posting pictures of a run and saying, oh, look how stunning this is on a run I hated. It feels disingenuous. So I, I'm definitely, as I said, I'm going to go back, have a rethink about what, what my running might look like in the next six months in terms of sign-ups and competitions and races because that's a huge part of why I run. I love the competitive part with myself um, but it's most definitely going to be a focus coming back to the roads and potentially trying to build on the pace and the gains that I've made over the last year. So big disappointment and actually one of the factors in that disappointment is next week's episode or a fortnight's episode I have a guest on who is an expert in the field and an absolutely outstanding trail runner has done a lot of road running as well and we've got a very Devil of the Highlands centric episode but I'm definitely going to put it out there I still know so many people that are doing it I know there's Glen Ogle I know there's a Dava Way there's loads of trail races going on at the moment so for the community you're going to get loads from hearing this guy when he's on but it's not going to be for me uh, this time around anyway so that's that's probably the the bad news but there's brighter news there there always is brighter news and there's, I'm going to focus on the positives. There's so much going on for the Press Plane Run community, for myself, with the Lululemon Ambassadorship, and I want to touch on a couple of things there. So first thing, we've got a volunteer takeover at Strathclyde Park Run on the 29th of July. We've already filled the volunteer roster for that and some, but that's absolutely fine because the, the race director and they'll help double up some of the volunteers on the Marshall points so that as many people that want to get involved can. So absolutely bowled over, as always, by the response from people uh, that want to come and take part. So we're going to be at the event. We're going to fill all the volunteer roles on that day at Strathclyde Park. And then we are going to go on a social group 5K run afterwards. Pace is going to be absolutely irrelevant. We will go at the pace of whomever needs it. We, if we need to sort of break into smaller groups, we will. But 
pace is not an issue and nobody will be out there running PBs. We're going to run together. That's the purpose of it. So there'll be a chance there to connect with 20 plus, maybe 25 people from the Press Play and Run community, people, listeners, for you to meet each other, meet some of the Instagram squares in, in person. We're also going to go for a coffee and cake afterwards. You're welcome to come to some, all or none of it. As always with these events, there's no pressure, but it's another chance to get involved and cure your FOMO. Another thing I've got coming up this week is the Lululemon Couch to Connect celebration evening on Wednesday. Um, actually, so that'll be yesterday by the time you hear this, that'll, that'll have happened yesterday. So that group have completed, I think, an eight-week block now of social running together. And Amy's done a brilliant job, Amy from Lululemon, in organising that and having sort of guest host runners there and some little events in and around it and I was so fortunate that one of them was the night that I was announced as ambassador um, so that's been great so that's going to be a, a mobility for runners session and I've been invited to bring a couple of people from the community and that brings me on to another thing that I'll speak about in a minute about the Facebook community group that I've launched. Final thing though I want to touch on that I have done this week is I've spoken to a runner called Sarah Pendergrass. So Sarah lives in the Sunshine Coast in Australia. She is also a Lululemon ambassador in Australia, but is originally from Edinburgh. Now she's taken on a massive challenge beginning on uh, the 21st of August. She's flying back to Scotland and she's going to run the coastal path from the very south of Scotland to the northernmost point. It's light to light, lighthouse to lighthouse, the run. So she's going to be covering a hell of a lot of distance through run, walk, hike, and is linking three or four different trails. Now through Lululemon, we've been asked to support this, and I spoke with Sarah on a Zoom this morning, and I'm going to get her on the podcast to speak a wee bit about her adventure, but there might also be an opportunity for us to support her, and I don't know what that looks like yet. It might be a few people running alongside her, or it might be meeting her at the camp that night, um, just generally, keep her spirits up. So still fleshing that out, but that does bring me on to the final thing that I wanted to discuss, and that is the Facebook community group that I've launched. So I've launched the Press Play and Run Club on Facebook. The reason it's on Facebook is to try and minimise people having to download another app. I am not a prolific Facebook user. I have an account with no friends, poor me, but I've kept it that way. I've always kept it that way. I only really use it for my own running, um, for the club page and, and those types of things and a couple of running groups. I don't use it um, for like friends and family and, and whatnot, but I had my onboarding uh, training this week with Lululemon as part of becoming an ambassador and it's actually really helped me to crystallise a couple of things. The first of it being my why. Why am I doing this? Why did I do the podcast? Why did I start the podcast? What am I trying to do with my own running? And everything that I spoke about and everything that I was looking at and everything that I wrote down comes really down to two things, which is just connection and community. That is central to, I think, why I started this. You know, And I didn't set out with a grand plan. No one year, three year, five year plan. But this is the bit that's really floating my boat. This is the bit that's driving why I'm doing it. And Instagram has been fantastic for raising the profile, getting the message out there. It's always going to remain the sort of home of where the podcast goes first and where we promote it and, and those type things. And I've got my own Instagram page, which will absolutely be staying. But it's not a great community space. It's very much me talking to people as opposed to the community being able to interact with each other. So that's only been able to happen through the events that we've had, the, the meetup in Glasgow, uh, those types of things, the park runs that we've done together. And I can't help that nagging feeling sometimes that that really depends, if you're engaging or not, depends on whether you've had the chance to see it. 
um, whether somebody's passed it on to you word of mouth. And I've always got that fear of people missing out because I didn't get that message to them. So this community space is going to be something different. This will be your space, conversations between you, with me, not from me to you. It's not something for me just to deliver information. But I've got so many opportunities coming up, such as that Lululemon event, the mobility session that we'll have done yesterday, where I'm actually approaching a couple of people directly saying, do you fancy this? If that keeps happening, there is always that danger that this becomes seen as some kind of clique or and while I've got a core group of people that have really helped me because I've needed it, the podcast has grown to the point where I need that core group to help me with these events. They've been absolutely amazing. It's 100% not going to become a clique or something that you feel on the outside looking in. That's crucial to me. It's so, so important to me that you feel like you can engage as and when you want. You don't have to come to everything. You don't actually have to come to anything, but you should always have the opportunity to do so. So that community space is going to really help me to hone in on spreading those opportunities when they come, not just through Lululemon, but through some of the other interactions that I'm having in organisations that we're working with moving forward. I'll put the link back into the Instagram stories. I will maybe do a repost on it as well so that you see it. But can I urge you, if you listen, search for it. So it's Press Play and Run Club and it's a group. If you just go in there, one of the admins will accept that request. It is a closed members group, but it's absolutely free. And hopefully that helps me to sort of corral that sense of community better than I feel because I feel like it's just growing arms and legs at the moment. And actually the biggest thing that's suffering at the moment is my own screen time. I'm spending more time on my phone than I'm talking to my kids at the moment, which is never great, especially during the summer holidays. So Thanks for listening to that. Maybe a bit rambly, but please, please join. It'll be whatever we make it. You know, there's no grand plan sitting around it, but we've got so many exciting things coming up that I want you to be a part of. And by the time you're listening to this, I'm also going to have in hand the Press Play and Run buffs, which will be going on sale. And t-shirts are very, very close to being ready as well. So more details to follow on them. As you can tell, loads and loads happening. Maybe it's a twisted ankle I actually needed just to actually get my house in order and get some of this admin stuff done. That's enough rambling from me today. I'm now going to throw to my interview with Mikey Gowans from Mygo Sports, another really influential character in our local running community, particularly if you're from Glasgow or the south side of Glasgow, but he's a very well-kent face on the scene. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Again, do me a favour, please share the episode, contact Mikey, let him know what you think of the episode, give us feedback rate review nothing goes further for us than that sort of rating and reviewing thing and sharing that's what helps us get noticed be prominent be on the sort of for new pages on spotify and apple and the likes so keep doing what you're doing folks keep getting the trainers on press play and run i'm delighted to welcome a man that's quite literally sold a running dream to the south side of glasgow and beyond since 2009 an accomplished runner in his own right He's now a qualified running coach, in addition to being the owner of Mygo Sports. Welcome to the Press Play and Run podcast, Michael Gowans. How are you, Michael? All good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. It's really nice to have you here. Um, it's it, you're somebody that I've had my eye on getting on this for a while, and I've not been able to make the dates work, so buzzing to actually make this happen and to have somebody who's a stalwart of the Glasgow running community. Um, you'll be a well-kent face to, to a lot of our local listeners I think about half the audience tend to reside in Glasgow most of them will, will know who you are I think um, so we're going to kick start Michael I suppose for the ones that don't know who you are 
that'll be those that are a bit further afield than Southside of Glasgow or Glasgow more generally. So can you tell me a wee bit about your your own running backstory before we get into the shop and, and, and what you do for a living? I want to just know a bit about your beginnings as an actual runner. Um, so take me back to where that started and where you're up to. Uh, so I played football from a young age, uh, not to a very good standard, but got into running properly in 2017. I wanted to run a marathon. I had the silly idea of running a marathon and I'd always watched London on TV. So I got a charity place with Paget's Association who had helped a friend's family out. Did my training myself and ran London Marathon in 2017. My aim was to break four hours and I finished in four hours 14, which really bugged me because I wanted to be under four hours. It gave me the desire to do another one to try and go a bit quicker. I wanted to get that sub four. But what really tipped me over was there's a, a lady who runs locally here who also ran London that day. Uh, she was 70 years old at the time and she ran 4.12. So she beat me by two minutes. And I've always said I had to go back, run another marathon so that I beat Irene. So I signed up for Edinburgh the following year had joined a running club at Bell Houston Harriers and ran three hours and eight minutes the following year. So took an hour and six off from the London time. Since then, I've done Manchester, Frankfurt, Berlin and back to London. And my current PB is sitting at 2.49. Yeah, and Irene's is at 2.47. So that's a shame for I you. <laughs> Irene, uh, just just a backstory. Irene was one of the top vet runners in the country, and her PB was way faster than than four hours as well. But she's an absolutely lovely person and a very very good runner. Right. So we get in it. We get a good sense of the beginning of your story and sort of where you've got to, and the sort of that chasm between twenty seventeen and now in terms of your time and probably your knowledge. I have been a customer of your shop, and you support the club I run with in terms of their their running gear and you told me this story when I was waiting because I stupidly arrived too early because <laughs> um, I, I can't follow basic instructions but it brought to mind um, on my first sprint triathlon I dragged my brother along who had no experience at all and he was in the pool and the lady swam by him doing the breaststroke in a 700 meter pool swim and I actually said to him as she's swimming by, oh son, this is the first time I've ever taken over any of the, and the swimming. <laughs> he was last literally out of the pool. I brought it to mind when you told me that story there. And they said to me, as if it was a badge of honour, but I caught her in the bike. I think she was about 60. <laughs> so there you go. So a, a humbling beginning. You definitely had the, the humbling yeah. beginning. Before I move on to the, the shop, then that's a big blanket of, well, there was my running four hours, 14 marathon or down to, did you say 2.40? 2.49. Yeah. 2.49, which is yeah. obviously an unbelievable time and would put you at the much higher end of non-professional runners that are amateur runners that take up that. There's, you must have learned a lot along the way. What has been the biggest difference makers in terms of getting from where you were to now? Definitely running with other people. So the community is such a massive thing and it's such a positive thing. It's probably the the main thing that's kept me hooked on running is all of the good people, whether it's people who encourage you or people that give you more knowledge. That's been the, the main thing, has been the community and the friends that I've made. Running with a club, 
I remember going to the Bell Houston Harriers on my first night. I was in my 30s. I drove there and I nearly didn't get out of my car because I felt like I was out of my depth going to a running club in my 30s. It sounds like such a bizarre thing to say, but genuinely I felt I wasn't good enough. I didn't know people there and I was scared to go in. I got out of the car, I went in and three people came up to me to introduce themselves and ask if it was my first time. I did the session, spoke to loads of people, went home that night and transferred the money to join. And that was the thing right from the start. Everybody was so welcoming and friendly. And then when you get into that group, you go to races and you see people from other running clubs and you start knowing faces from other running clubs and then you start bumping into them at different things. And that's the main thing that's grabbed me is how friendly and how welcoming running is. But I see it on a daily basis. A lot of people are intimidated about joining a running club. And I say to them, just go. The hardest part is going the first time. Once you go and you you meet people, it's easy. But the hardest part is that first step to actually going along. Long answer to your short question no, is that the, it, the community is a, a massive part of it. It's something that I circle back to, I think, in almost every episode because the guest usually it's featured somewhere. Very few people reach their potential on their own um, for the mm. whole time or actually not even potential because that sounds like it's all about performance. They don't reach their peak enjoyment of running yeah. on their own. And recently we had our first uh, Press Plane Run podcast meetup and that was at the Glasgow Men's 10K and a very different type of event than probably I've been running recently. Not a not a sort of club vest race, although I was the idiot in the club vest. I kind of regretted it instantly on the line. It's the first time I'd ever run that event. I didn't realise it's close connection with like mental health and the fact that it's a lot of people probably striving to run 10K. So it's not, it wasn't the well-kent faces for me that I meet from Canvas Lang or I meet from, you know, Bella Houston, because you do, I'm yeah. starting to get to know them. But it was really striking afterwards. When we got home, that that social buzz and 40, 50 people over the course of the day coming to join us at the, the meetup, I still had about a dozen messages of people that said, I saw you, but I didn't come up to say hello because, and then explaining why. And it's almost always because that fear of putting the first foot forward or not, as welcoming as that group is and was, and I can't thank people enough for how welcoming they, they are and were, it's still very easy to feel that you're an outside looking in and you're not a part of it. But you need to take that first step to get there, you know, or if I would have exactly. known anybody was, if I would have known they were doing that, I would have proactively sent somebody to go and get them and bring them in. But yeah. th there is that bit about just put your foot over the threshold and you will realise it's never a, you're on the outside looking in, it's not cliquey, it's not a group. It's, this is one of the most welcoming communities that I've ever been a part of. And I'm like, you, I played football. That's not as welcoming a community. There's a lot there about your ability level will dictate where you sit in the pecking order. And yep. running is just not that. I've never seen a club. I've never been part of a club where that was the thing. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And I think that goes a long way to explaining you picked up those bits of knowledge, but you also feel a, a part of something bigger than you. And did you ever, yeah. were you ever coached? Have you ever been formally coached in terms of, because you're now coming down to that kind of time frame that I associate with people taking it a bit more seriously? No, not directly. So I did the club sessions and that was a big thing, a big change in my training. So ahead of the first marathon, I just ran. I just went out and did miles. Ahead of Edinburgh, when I took over an hour off, I was incorporating the club sessions, which were those speed sessions. And it was something that was totally new to me. So I didn't know about 
running fartleks or intervals and that is what kind of pushed my running on more was doing those focus sessions and mixing up you then start building a knowledge of what works for you so i like throwing in like one speed session a week i like doing a long run and then generally i like doing easy runs the rest of the time everyone responds differently some respond to higher mileage some respond to lower mileage but it's finding where you kind of slot in and i would say like every marathon i've done i've felt that there was improvements and tweaks that i could make and i think if i get to the stage where i feel like there's no improvements or tweaks that i can make to the build-up i probably won't run another marathon because i'll feel that i've done what what i want to do you've sort of wrung that potential out of yourself yeah uh, although I have told my wife that I'm not doing another one, so we'll need to keep that quiet just now. I told my wife the same, but I didn't tell her I'd already signed up for an ultra when I told her that. So <laughs> I think I won't I won't go down the track if there's a marathon within it. It's it's a whole different ball game. Oh, no, best to keep quiet. Yeah, that's it. Be- best to seek forgiveness than permission, as they say. Yes. Um, and and you then that your your schedule is actually very like mine. That's the the schedule I like. The club session on a Monday night where there's speed and intervals because I just yep. would, I never push myself the same without people there to keep you accountable and keep you honest. Yep. And then the long run and everything else in between. I love doing the social runs with the clubs and just taking the foot off the gas and getting the mileage in. You do find what works, but you then. Well, this this is beforehand, before you're running. 2009, I think I said in the intro, Michael Sports is born in its current format. I don't know if there was a pre-story to that. I'll ask you to tell me because you've been sunk into the running community for much longer than you've been running at that level. So can you tell me a wee bit about how, how it came into existence, why and what those early days were like for you? Yeah, so when I was at uni, I, I studied a business degree and my part-time job was in a sports shop in Shawlands called John Semple Sports. I loved it because uh, I loved sports and I loved talking to people about what they were doing and hearing their stories. So when I left uni, I ended up moving to another shop in Glasgow and was there for a wee while. But I always had a desire to do my own thing. And I started looking at opening my own shop in the south side because John Semples had closed down during that time. And I thought it was a shame there wasn't a sports shop in the south side. I opened the shop when I was 23. In hindsight, I don't know what I was thinking because I was very young when I did it. But I think being young created a naivety that when things were difficult, you just kept going. If it was now, it would be a different story where you've got more responsibilities. That thought back to then worries me but I'm glad I did it and we were very football rugby hockey orientated when we first opened but I think there's been a trend change in the last 10 years where more people are running and you're seeing numbers at running clubs even out in the streets you're seeing more and more people out so as demand for running grew our offering for running grew as well we now have a really big selection of running shoes. We do gait analysis and basically our focus has reacted to the demands of the customer. So we do a wee bit less on the kind of football rugby side, but running has become a much more popular part of what we do. When did you start to see that shift in trend? And actually, I'm interested for reasons beyond running, but has there been a decline of any sorts in the demand for the other ones, like team sports, like football? Yeah, so 
I'm still in touch with quite a few kind of amateur football clubs just from when I played and people who I was friends with. And a lot of amateur football clubs just now are struggling to put teams out. There's teams folding all over the place and it's because they can't get numbers in to play. And what they're saying is a lot of the people playing football want their Saturday afternoons free. So, yeah, some of those guys have moved into running, guys and girls. They've moved into running. They prefer going to the gym. They prefer doing something that's on their terms rather than something that's set at a set time each week. Not necessarily all sports, but I think running has had a growth partly because of its flexibility. You can do it whenever you want to do it. Trainers are getting more expensive, but generally it's fairly cheap and easy to access. But it's flexible that you can do it whenever you want. And I think that flexibility, when you're talking about fitness, you want to make things as approachable as they can be, as easy to do. If you set up barriers and make it difficult for someone to get into, that's already something that makes it a thought process that maybe I won't do this. So the easier you can make it, the more likely that person is to get into it. And for that reason, running for me is like such a, an easy thing to get into. And yeah. almost anyone can do it. So many of the journeys of people I have assumed have run for years and years began in COVID. Now, you're in a fairly unique position there because while all these running journeys are launching and all I was reading about at that point was the only people sort of doing well during COVID were online retailers of things like shoes. Mm -hmm. And what was that like for you in terms of was it a positive? Was it a net negative? I've read a brilliant article that I'll get you to tell me about in a minute about some of the, the things you did to make sure you stayed sunk into your community during COVID. But yeah. what were those sort of challenges, drawbacks or opportunities that it brought for you? I thought we were finished, to be honest. When lockdown came, I, I remember it was the Monday, the 23rd of March before the lockdown had been announced, I decided I wasn't opening the next day. There was no guidance. We didn't know what we were doing, but I decided I was closing the next day. That night, it was announced that lockdown had come in and genuinely started crying because I thought, that's done. There's no way we can get through this. I had two or three weeks where I did nothing. My wife worked in the hospital, so she was still going out every day, but I was just sitting in, in the house doing nothing each day and Genuinely, I was looking at how do you wind up a company? Uh, how do I get rid of the stock we had left? And then I thought, that's not my mentality. That's not kind of how I was brought up. So I started looking at what can we do? And the first thing, we didn't have a website. So I then started getting up in the morning and working on my website. It took months to load all our products onto it, but I had months. There was nothing else to do. So... Yeah. We ended up with a much better system in place. We've got a website which is much more user-friendly. It allows us to reach customers we didn't reach before. But at that time, it also allowed us to reopen when we could on a click-and-collect basis. So although it wasn't as good as having the shop open, it let us trade, which allowed the shop to keep ticking over. It allowed us to pay our rent and pay the bills. And it meant that we could reopen when the time came. But that year from the 23rd of March, we were closed for, I think it was eight months of 12 that the shop was closed. It was down to the local community that we stayed open because a lot of people were very nice, very understanding, placed orders with us when they could have gone somewhere else. And we did also have quite a few people bought gift vouchers so that they could get shoes when they needed them but it gave us some money in to keep paying the bills when we needed it. 
I actually think a lot of people probably wouldn't have realised like how close we came to closing at that time, but also how massive the support was that we got um, from the local community. And it's, it's something that I'll never forget, but I'm also very grateful for. That's a direct result of being sunk into your community already. That support doesn't come by accident. That would have been easier for people to go into online competitors and get something that you know will be cured to your door the yeah. next day. That's people going out their way to do something, but you don't need to go far to see high streets and how many people suffered during COVID and didn't manage yeah. to reopen. So I think it's testament to your place in the running community. When I joined the running club and was speaking to them about, right, where do you get the gear or I need new trainers, their lack of knowledge, everybody points me towards you. And that's Newton, that's mm -hmm. not even that close to you. It's not, that's not Southside of Glasgow. So your reputation there and what you've done has clearly stood you in good stead. Now, that, that's obviously quite a, a weighty thing that we're discussing there in terms of just how close the business might come to the precipice through no control of your own. But I did read quite a humorous story about one of the things you were doing. Can you talk me through your unique method of delivery during COVID that made the newspapers? So, so my routine that I got into was basically I had to get something to, to get me out of the house in the morning. So my routine was that I came into the shop to check if there was any emails and if there was any orders, I'd then pack them up and I would have my running gear on and if there was any orders we had I would run them to wherever we were going so it meant that I was getting out the door first of all taking care of anything that needed done in the shop but then getting my one hour daily running and it started off with like a 10 minute run here or a 15 minute run there some of the orders started getting further afield but I didn't think about it I just put my trainers on put my backpack on and went but I remembered one day I was halfway up the hill to Neilston so from us to Neilston, it is about, could be eight miles, maybe a wee bit more, but the last mile's all uphill. I had this delivery to Neilston and just didn't think, just put my trainers on and went. It was a 17-mile round trip, and it wasn't until I got there, and the house was actually out the other end of Neilston as well. I thought, I maybe need to check these addresses before I set off the next time. But the we'd got in touch with one of the local, well, one of the Glasgow newspapers and said, is there anything you can do to help kind of give us a wee bit of exposure here and they said they were running this article on local businesses and what they're doing to keep going and they had a big supermarket that was the main story but then they wanted three smaller stories alongside it but they found our story about basically running orders places quite funny and when I got sent the the newspaper through and I opened it up They'd moved the supermarket to one of the wee stories and made us the big story. And it was a double page picture of me with my backpack uh, ready to go out. So I, that, that caused quite a lot of hilarity and um, certainly brightened things up. But that was, uh, that was good fun. The picture is on your Instagram account. So when this episode's aired, we'll share it. We'll share it so that people can see it. You can tag the podcast in yep. and let them have a look at it. It's very funny. You're like the Forrest Gump of shoe delivery. Oh, he's my hero. Um, so. There you go. Well, you just need to work in the beard, but you've got there with the running, nailsing them back for a, for a quick delivery. Um, I wonder if you charged them for delivery. Uh, I think it, I'd have been charging about five times the amount. It, it was free delivery. <laughs> <laughs> Not worth it. Not worth it in the slightest. You were probably defying about five COVID rules, but as we've since found out in every inquiry, <laughs> you're not the only one. Well, not to get too political. Do you know, on that point, we are just in East Renfrewshire and Neilston's just in East Renfrewshire. So I probably took it to the very extremes, but yeah, we'll, we'll not get political on that one because it's, it's not good. No, we won't. <laughs> I, 
and it's a it's a good deed done. You'd interactions with people at the door, but the the humorous side of the story is a funny story, but it also speaks to the power of connection and it's that kind of thing. You're obviously a wee bit of ingenuity there to make sure you've got the exposure that you need as a business, but there's also connecting with people yeah. and you might be the only person somebody sees that day and if they need trainers again, they're not clicking on buttons. They're going to want yeah. to see your face, speak to you and support you. So you've done a fantastic job of navigating that space. I'm sure it's not the only pressure and that's how difficult is it competing with solely online in terms of what you can do to be competitive and keep the lights on? It's tricky, but it's also, for me, it's a different... A lot of the big online guys, it's warehouses. There's not the speciality. And they can do things a wee bit cheaper because they don't have the overheads that are a shop has. What we try to do is provide as good a service as we can, provide as good a range as we can, take the time with the customer. And generally, the prices now are very similar to online. So it's something we want to offer everything. Now, it's hard to offer everything, but we want to offer a good price, a good service, good knowledge. And we want the customer to go away so happy that they tell their friends and they also come back for their next pair. And that's how we approach every sale. We we want people to be happy. We, we want them to like what they've got and we want them to come back. And we've got a few staff as well, and it, it's the same with everyone. We'll always do what we can in terms of the service because that's the thing you don't get online. I benefited from that firsthand from you because that day I was in, we had half an hour. Well, I had half an hour to kill. You were working. I was annoying you for half an hour. But I'd never run a marathon at that point. I think at that point I was only just getting ready to start my training when I spoke to you. And I was in that place of going, I need better shoes mm-hmm. for what I'm about to do because I'd been in a pair of like, Pegasus and they were yeah. they were great everyday runners. and But never that level of support that every time up to mileage I could really feel the impact it was a discussion with you that led me through right narrowing down to two or three brands through your own knowledge what you'd run in and ended up settling on a pair of Saucony the endorphin speed threes and like trying to find that perfect shoes that can take people 10 years I was I lucked out because I'd never had a more comfortable shoe that's the knowledge of a person you can't get that online you'll find a million reviews but they're all so subjective I read a lot of reviews, I love shoes, and I, I'll read like every time a shoe comes out, but when you read the description, a lot of them say the same thing, and it's not yeah. until you try them on, like the description might say the same thing, but four shoes feel completely different. Obviously, I would say that, having a shop, that you should try them on, but they do have subtle changes to them, and it's the fun thing about what we do as well, talking to people, hearing what they are doing, hearing what they want, and then trying to match them to what they need and see when you get it right and somebody has like a great run at a marathon, they come in and they'll say, shoes were great, marathon went great. You feel brilliant about it. So yeah. that's like one of the big bonuses of doing this is when you hear like people being successful with what they're doing uh, and the excitement that comes with it as well. Yeah, and there's a there's a safety I'm going to try in them on as well because they are expensive yeah. and if you're reliant and taking gambles at 120 and 30 quid a yeah. time it can be an expensive Definitely. hobby again i was going to ask about something else but i want to while we're on the theme strike you love shoes i do wee idea for something i wanted to ask you here shoe mount rushmore for running shoes what are the gods of running shoes over since 2009 and now what would be the four 
Mount Rushmore shoes. I should have teed you up in this, but this is better to make you squirm in the right. spot. Four big shoes since 2009. This is the Mount Rushmore of shoes. We're carving these into stone in the, the high hills of the south side, which I don't know if they actually exist. Right, so four shoes. I would probably go with two, which are two of the most popular shoes that suit a lot of people. Brooks Adrenaline and Asics GT2000. So two solid, dependable, cushioned, supportive shoes. We don't sell my third one, but I think it's uh, been a game changer in the, the racing world. The Nike Vaporflies. In them. Okay. What, what a terrible sales pitch, picking one you don't sell. I, I, I'll, I'll lead on to that. Um, so <laughs> bringing the, the carbon-plated technology has been a massive game changer. Like, what a difference to the shoe market, a racing shoe before was flat and then all of a sudden they've got this thick sole with a carbon plate, such a major change. But the good thing of that is all the other brands have then followed suit. And I would actually say there's even better options on the market now. You mentioned that you like the Sakoni Endorphin Speed and we'll, we'll put <laughs> Sakoni Endorphin Pro. Uh, so the, the carbon plated Sakoni shoe, uh, I ran Berlin in that. And the combination of the poppy carbon sole with the cushioned sole is fairly supportive for light. Just a, a really nice fluid shoe to run in. We'll go with those four. Nike Vaporfly, Sakoni, which you've now made me realise I've said wrong ever since I said it. Sakoni yep. Pro, which I've never worn. I'll tell you why in a wee second. Asics GT. 2000 and Brooks Brooks Adrenaline. Brooks Adrenaline is one that comes up a lot with guests in in terms of their favourite shoe. Um, I had one pair of Brooks and they were Ghost 11 or something like that and I found them really heavy in my feet and I never went back but far too much shoe for me. Um, But the pros I've steered away from after reading a couple of things about people saying that rocker Mm -hmm. in it was impacting a bit of their gait, their hips and their stability. Um, So I went with a the pro and uh, sorry with yeah. the speeds and never regret it for a minute i've never had a more comfortable shoe out the yeah. box so now now i've just given myself a job because i'm going to now do a mock-up edit of mount rushmore with these four <laughs> shoes on them for this episode being ready that's that's going to be on the hit list it's amazing isn't it what's happened with shoe technology yeah. even since i started running where everybody was in a pair of asics literally when i started any asics and it would be off the shelf whatever yeah. they are and the, just that sheer scale of choice is wild. The differences in shoes, the weight that's come off them. So in the last like three, four years, some shoes have dropped 100 grams each, like a quarter of their weight. They're getting lighter with how technology's going. But like I've been selling shoes as such for 20 years. And I would say the last three or four years is the biggest it's changed in that time in an exciting way and for a shoe geek it's been amazing because you're getting new models coming into stock and you're actually like rushing to get them out of the box to see how light they are how cushioned the sole feels and it's yeah. the options are amazing yeah when when somebody like Nike makes that breakthrough in that technology they force everybody to really up the up their game yeah. and it's the the choice for us at the consumer end is is huge this conversation is complete and utter shoe porn for people that are into that they will love it and then i'm going to clip your background here where it's just shoe galore behind you this is it's a perfect episode um yeah i'm always keen to know what people are running in uh, that's all i'm always looking at feet when i turn yeah. up in a race line just to see what everybody's well, doing I, I do the same as well um and the one thing that i would say and i don't don't want to 
like focus on a brand, but I was at Great North Run a couple of years ago and everyone around me had the same shoes on, but a lot of people's feet were turning in because they didn't have much support. And that's a bad sign if you're at the start line because you'll possibly put pressure on ankles and knees. For me, that type of racing shoe with a carbon plate had to get a bit more stable for it to suit the mass market and suit more people. And I think that's what they're doing now. So the reason I like the Endorphin Pro is because it is quite stable around the ankle. And from playing football, I've got pretty flimsy ankles. So there is better options and you just wonder how it's going to keep progressing because just now I'm buying shoes that are coming out uh, at the start of 2024 and again all the brands are moving it to another level unfortunately the prices are all going up a tenner again but yeah they're all progressing and you just wonder where it's where it's going to go there's a difference between wanting these shoes needing these shoes and then benefiting it depends what you're doing anybody starting out in their journey I would always say steer clear of, of spending a fortune yeah. on something until you know but but don't buy cheap either because your experience of running yeah. can be shaped by the shoes that you're wearing and i've had that as well where if you've got sore feet sore legs sore shins wrong type shoes you're not going to keep no. it up it's just too sore I'd... um so it's, it is worth that gate analysis if you can yeah. f- get to yourself or somewhere that does it. having listened to some of your previous episodes i had in my head when i came on that i wanted to try and be funny um, but now that we've gone down the shoe line, like it's it's my serious thing. Like I love talking about shoes, and there's there's nothing really funny about it. But I was on, so I ran Berlin Marathon when was that last September, and the day after it, in the morning, I got a phone call from Radio Scotland, and basically they were looking to speak to somebody that had ran Berlin because Kipchoge had broken the world record, and they wanted to d- discuss. How was Berlin? What were the conditions like? Because Kipchoge broke the world record. And it was a wee added bonus that I was a shoe geek because they could say to me, what difference do the shoes make? Did they help Kipchoge break the world record? So I said, yep, that's fine. I'll talk to you. And it was quarter past four, let's say, that we were scheduled for. They gave me a rough outline of what they might ask. So I spent the day, we tour of Berlin, and then went to a cafe and I jotted down a couple of ideas and for them asking me questions live on the radio so I didn't say the wrong thing or swear or both. We get on and it was me, John Beatty, who was the presenter, and Jeff Whiteman, who is Jake Whiteman's dad and a coach and the stadium announcer at the World Champs. I don't know what happened, but I get asked Jeff Whiteman's questions and he get asked mine. So (laughs) I had all these things prepared for how much the shoes cost and the percentage gains and the time it's recommended that they might save and the drawbacks and the benefits. And then I started getting asked about the physiology of elite athletes and how the announcing in the World Champs went. And it was an absolute car crash of an interview and they've not asked me back. So hopefully I'll be better on this Aww. one. I thought they were going to ask you how your son did at his most recent competition. <laughs> You're thinking, this is the wrong guy. <laughs> it was funny. It was very funny. And you've had your funny moment. Irene beating you in the race was the funny right. moment. And also, I've been trying for 15 episodes and not managed it, so you've got time yet. Um, I'm, that's, that's, that is funny because the live, I've done, I was a journalist before I was a teacher, I've done some live stuff. Oh, the pressure, yeah. the, you already feel the pressure yeah. and then all it takes is one of those things to go wrong. At least I can cut out the worst <laughs> of us today and we'll, I'll make it sound like we know what we're doing. You've added a string to your bow 
now and I, I noticed this I, I was just having a dig in and around your Instagram and uh, so the the leading in run fitness and then the coaching yep. and run fitness you've added both of these and I know there's the Migo Run Club and I want to get to this because this is for me part of what makes the shop more than a shop and part of the community and it, now you're forming pretty much a physical community in and around it firstly why why take those two steps and particularly the coaching one because then it's that's moving beyond just having a run group isn't it yeah so firstly i actually did it for a selfish reason to begin with which was to gain more knowledge about running with the idea of benefiting my own training i wanted to get a better knowledge of how training in different ways would help develop the leader in run fitness course i enjoyed but i wanted to do more so i signed up for the coaching running fitness course which is level two the level one you do one day the level two it's four days with an assessment at the end and i just love the knowledge around how different training systems work i didn't know what i wanted to do with it i went down to a local club and help them with their juniors for a while. I wasn't sure if I wanted to help coach juniors or if I wanted to help coach adults or whatever. And then I've always put off having a running club at the shop because generally I'll do six or seven days a week working. Normally six days the shop's open, seventh day I do paperwork. And I just thought, I don't want to stay for another hour and have to have a running club. But the desire came that it's a way of providing a service to local people and I wanted to provide a stepping stone and target those people who are nervous about running maybe don't want to go direct to a running club but provide a welcoming environment for them to start running and if they're enjoying it they've got the option of moving on they can obviously stay as long as they want and it's grown from there and I'm so happy I've done it now that's last April we started I remember a lady came on like the second day, we only had three or four people. And she said to me, I'm only here because my husband said that I should start running. And I told him I don't like running, but I said I'd come along and try it once. So I'm just here this week, but I'll not be back. I don't think she's missed a session since. And that's like 14 months. And she's now like, she turns up every time with a a smile on her face. She's chatting away to people. And that's the thing I love about it is the community that, there's all these people that have met each other through it as well. So there's a group who, they all live like two roads apart, but they never knew each other, met each other at our club on a Monday night. And now I see them going out together on like a Sunday morning for a long run. Yeah. I, th- I think there's a lot of chatting goes on as well, but that's the thing that probably makes me the happiest about it is that people are meeting new people, making new friends, and they're all signing up for like events and going away for weekends. And I just think that's what, it's all about. So we get between 30 and 40 people most Mondays now. And the progress that they're all making is amazing as well. And some are running further than they've ran and some are running quicker than they've ran, but they're all turning up every week and enjoying it. So brilliant. And that lady's husband's now buried under the floorboards for (laughs) for suggesting that she goes running. (laughs) He should go the whole hog and do what I did to Nicola and sign her up for a race. That goes down particularly well as to tell her sort of halfway through the training oh by the way it doesn't go down that well you're a brave man i did notice increase ah, and it's stupid i'm absolutely stupid but it worked because she had her first race at that 10k the women's 10k in five years and loved it so i mean it's it's a huge confidence thing but i did notice your numbers really starting to to grow as well now i think you kind of answered what i was going to ask you that sort of who it's for and really 
I think from what you said there, I'm taking that to be as far anybody that wants to run. Yeah, it's so not a... I purposely set it up that we do sessions on a Monday night. I wanted to keep everyone together. So during the summer, we've got a rotation of six sessions. During the winter, we do four different sessions. But all of them are either loops or lengths so that we keep everyone together. So some people do more reps, some do less, but the group and the camaraderie stays because they're all together. Um, we're really lucky to have a big park right behind the shop. So we use that for a lot of what we do and stay away from the roads. I designed the sessions so that anybody could do them. And we've got all levels and it seems to work well in that respect. Doing it as kind of sessions is the sort of run that people wouldn't do by themselves. So they come along to yeah. us and they've got a group to do it with. So they might push a wee bit harder or they might get an extra couple of reps in. And how do people actually join? What what do you need to do if they want to come along? Send us an email at inquiries at Mygo Sports or contact us through any of the social media. We're a Jog Scotland group. It's free to join up for Jog Scotland and you just select us as the group that you attend and turn up at 5.50 on a Monday uh, and we start sharp at 6 o'clock and we're done by 6.45 in case you've got to go and pick the kids up anywhere. Just turn up and similar to what we were saying earlier, the first one's the hardest. Yeah, once you get the first one out of the way, it's all straightforward. Well, not not strictly true. The <laughs> hardest one is running to Nielsen to deliver yeah. shoes, um, but that comes later. That's a graduate program. <laughs> That's bringing another avenue to your knowledge. Certainly, no doubt it will help you in your everyday knowledge in terms of the shop as well. And given the kind of advice that you offer freely, what's next for Migo for you as a runner? Where are you looking forward to over the next say twelve to twenty four months? Or are you not that much of a forward planner? So in terms of my own running, short terms, uh, Paisley 10k, uh, there's definitely another marathon in there somewhere. I think there's there's a wee bit more that we can target. Uh, I actually was having a wee look at, um, is it the devil that you're doing? Yeah. Is that allowed to be talked about? Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. Oh, we're in full-on fear mode now. I was actually having a wee nosy at it the other day. I, I think an ultra at some point I would definitely like to do. And... I'd actually listened to a podcast and you said after the marathon, you didn't really have too much coming up. And then I was looking through the list of entrants into the devil and I saw your name and I thought, he's at it. So <laughs> I, I, I definitely say an ultra is on, on the cards, but it's the good thing with running. There's so many options and you could even do, there's a lot of uh, track races now as well. So yeah. there's open graded track races that you could do 800 metres. So genuinely, like the running world is so open to everyone that no matter what you want to do, there's options, whether it's an 800 metres, an ultra marathon, a park run, a local 10k, there's options yeah. almost every weekend. And I do, I'm a firm believer that it's good to have a goal to work towards because it keeps you motivated. And on those days where the rain's pouring down and you feel a bit rubbish and you're not sure about going out, if you've got a target in five weeks, that's sometimes the push to get you out the door because you know if you don't do it, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage on that day. Fear of the devil will keep you moving. I've, well, yes. You've got to get the miles racked up for that. I did. Uh, I obviously, I had signed up for it when I was marathon training. I hadn't said anything about the early doors because I don't know if really I had physically signed up. I don't know if I'd mentally <laughs> made that commitment just yet, even admitted it to myself. But... Um, I wanted to deal with, 
I think I like compartmentalizing when I'm training and having that one goal fixed on. Yeah. And I was just saying, if I keep the marathon training up, I'm sort of well on the way with the ultra block anyway, yep. a wee week or two off and then back in. So I'm really this week just, and so this will be like two weeks ago by the time, by the time the time frame shifts, but I'm a couple of weeks into my training now and starting to just get back to those marathon mile yep. sort of training off it. I'm finding it a slog again because, but you're right. It's just, I need to get back to the mindset of this is what you do. It's structured. I loved the structure of the marathon training, maybe not race day itself. That was a tough experience in that heat, but the, I, I do like the regiment. I agree with you and your 10k times. I was having a wee look at a race that you've repeated three times and you've taken a hell of a lot off of, since 2017 to now. Yes. Um first target was kind of I always had two numbers in my mind which were three hour marathon, 40 minute 10k I always thought like anybody that went under those times was like ridiculous and it was always the kind of promised land. I think I'd ran like 45 minutes for the 10k just before I joined the running club and after running with them for about 8 weeks I, I ran 40 minutes in 9 seconds at the Jimmy Irvin 10k and I'm not a clue where that came from but it's just been consistent there's like I've turned into one of those weird running guys that I just put my shoes on don't think about it I run I like the routine so I'll run five six times a week if it's marathons it could be up to seven but there's no shortcuts It, it is just being consistent and it's turning up and getting out and putting your shoes on. I've got one of the, a boy that works in the shop who's 1500 meter runner and he, he's won a couple of races recently, but he was interviewed after it by Scottish Athletics and he used this uh, term, I just keep turning up. So he turns up at training, yeah. he turns up on his easy runs. And I found that quite an interesting way of putting it because I would say like, oh, I'm following the plan, I'm, I'm, I'm grafting, I'm getting this done. But he just referred to it as, I just keep turning up. And I suppose that's what you need to do. You just need to keep turning up and being consistent. And with that, the progress comes. Couldn't agree more. And that's from your first run, couch to 5K, to trying to break these sort of sub holy grail goals. It doesn't matter. It is a process of turning up and it gets better, it gets easier, and they're never as bad as they are at the start. That's the worst possible time. Totally. I I think the the hardest part in running is couch to 5k two or three weeks in. That's when a lot of people chuck it because your body's not being used to having the strain put on it. Your body's reacting, so you get sore muscles, you might get sore joints, your breathing's not quite right. The intensity rises at two or three weeks and a lot of people go, my body's not built for this. So they'll then stop. But then you go back to square one and you would have to start again. If that person gets through weeks two and three, they then complete the couch to 5K. And once you're in that position, you're kind of open to do what you want. But that's where I see a lot of people dropping off is two or three weeks of a 5K. And the reason I bring that up is that if anybody's listening to this and they're at that stage, they're probably at the worst part of running at the moment um, but yeah. their muscles get stronger and the breathing settles down the heart rate settles down and it becomes more comfortable and I hope that if like somebody's listening they're out of run just now and they're going this is a rubbish running's not for me that just hits a nerve and they think well this is probably the worst part then and it'll get more comfortable because it will 
Yeah, literally next week it will feel better than that, yeah. and the, the next week it will feel better than that again. Exactly. And it's that it's trying to get over the hard yards. And I've got so many friends that are trying to get back. Usually, people that played football, being fit, trying to come back to fitness, but lose a bit of weight, and that's that's the hard bit for them. Yeah. You just need to graph through those first few weeks. Can you remind me? where people can find you address wise or like part of because i drove to you via sat nav and couldn't, <laughs> couldn't hit you with a banjo and my, my knowledge of that area is not great yeah, so we're in the south side of glasgow uh, muir end so it's halfway between hamden and clarkston but there's a big supermarket across the road from us that you can park in uh, yeah. although uh, don't tell them i said that you're easy enough to get parked but no I, I would recommend anybody to go in if you're especially if you're thinking about shoes or a piece of product that you've not tried and you're reticent to spend that money, go in, you will get the Rolls Royce service. You get it whether you ask for it or not. I got it and I was a complete stranger to Michael at that point. So Michael, as a, a as somebody who's listened, you know what's coming next. We're going to head towards the, the home straight for want of a terrible pun and go to the quick fire round before we get your song choice for the press play and run Spotify playlist. And I did tell Michael when he told me just before we started recording that he's listened that I've changed a couple of these up because people were coming with polished answers. So I'm going to give him actually Jack Whiteman's questions and see what he does with them instead. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael, are you, are you good? Are you ready? I want yep. answers off roughly off the top of your head, not long explanations. Okay. I want them sharp. So we will be good to go. Yep. On your marks, get set, go! Favourite running shoe of all time? Asics Nova Blast. Favourite training route? Pollock Park. Proudest running moment? London Marathon 249.40. Worst, that, that's the time, by the way, not the year. Worst, <laughs> worst race of running experience? Manchester Marathon. Um, uh, Humbled yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Two jumps back you out. Yeah. Favourite podcast? Jake Humphrey's performance. High performance. So High performance, that's it. Yeah, I should probably know the name of it if I like it so much. Go go to pre-long run meal. Porridge. 442, straight down the middle. <laughs> if you could run alongside yourself as a beginner runner, what advice would you give yourself? Stay consistent, keep going. Uh, it gets more comfortable. One inspirational Insta profile you never skip by? Elliot Kipchoge. I, he- I love his content. He's decent, that guy, running. He's not bad. He should stick in. (laughs) Run with or without music? I sound like a weirdo here, but... Thank God you said that. Sometimes with, but see on a nice day running through Pollock Park, birds around the trees and ducks in the water, like it's a shame to have headphones in and not take in what's going on around you. Probably something very relaxing, so generally without with without because full on yeah. Bill Audi answer there and the younger generation can Google Bill Audi. <laughs> yeah. I need to update my cultural references. Finish this sentence. I press play and run because it clears my head, gives a focus and helps me relax. You know what's last? It's time to either make yourself a hero with a song choice for the press play and run uh, podcast playlist that you'll find in Spotify. We'll link it in the episode description. We're trying to restore some credibility in season two after a varied um, outing in season one. So, Michael, tell me, all the pressure is on. What are we having? Rudimental waiting all night. That's a tune. That's been on my that's been on my running playlist for a long time. It's actually off it again 
at the moment because I heard it so many times during the marathon block, but that's a good one. Final thing then, Michael, is just to thank you for your time. You are, without doubt, sunk into your running community, a, a genuine part of it. Love what you're doing with the Run Club. Glad you did start it. Glad you took that plunge because to see 30, 40 people in your local area, it might be their only contact with running or you're certainly supplementing individual running and that's you'll be bringing the start of somebody's journey every Monday. So more power to your elbow. Keep doing what you do. Um, and I'm, I'm just so appreciative of you taking the time to speak to me tonight. No, thank you very much for having me. And uh, you keep doing what you're doing because your podcast is going really well and it's a great lesson. So uh, keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Thank you to you, the listeners, for joining us for another episode of the Press Play and Run podcast. You can really help to support the podcast by subscribing or following on your podcast platform of choice and by leaving a review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Press Play and Run Podcast and to add the Press Play and Run playlist on Spotify. We'll be back every two weeks with new episodes and please be sure to keep an eye on our Instagram page to find out which guests will be joining us. Until then, keep getting the trainers on, press play and run.